Thank you. Commissioner Alexander. Here. Commissioner Fisher. Commissioner Lamb. Commissioner Matamidi. Commissioner Sanchez. Here. Vice President Wiseman Ward. Here. President Bogus. Here. At this time, before the board goes into closed session, I will call for any speakers to the closed session items listed in the agenda. There will be a total of five minutes for speakers. Do we have any speaker card? We do not. Do we have any virtually raised hands? We do have one virtually raised hand. Okay. Jay? Jay? They are not responding. Uh, that concludes our public comment. Okay. Um, I now recess this meeting at 5.01 p.m. TV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
session. Uh, and now I will read the report from closed session. On a vote of seven to zero, the board voted to adopt the changes to terminate an employee. In six matters of anticipated litigation, the board, by a vote of seven yeses, gives direction to the general counsel. In the matter of student EH versus SFUSD, OAH case number 20231000287, the board, by a vote of seven yeses, gives the authority of the district to pay up to the stipulated amount. In the matter of student MY versus SFUSD, OAH case number 20230805059, the board by a vote of seven yeses gives authority of the district to pay up to the stipulated amount. In the matter of John Doe versus SFUSD, San Francisco Superior Court case number CGC 21594116. The board, by a vote of seven yeses, gives the authority of the district to pay up to the stipulated amount. This concludes the report from closed session. And with that, we will transition to our opening items. Item D1, our land acknowledgement. We, the San Francisco Board of Education, acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land, and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all people who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community and by affirming their sovereign rights as first people. And now we'll move to item D2, approval of board minutes for the regular meeting of November 4th, 2023. Can I have a motion, a second on these minutes? So moved. Second. Any corrections at this time? Seeing none, can we have a roll call, Mr. Seale? Thank you. Commissioner Alexander? Yes. Commissioner Fisher? Yes. Commissioner Lamb? Commissioner Mitomini? Yes. Commissioner Sanchez? Yes. Vice President Wiseman Ward? Yes. President Bogus? Yes. Success. Thank you. And with that, we will transition to item D5, the superintendent's report. And I will um, transition over to Superintendent Lane.
right. Good evening, everyone. Um, I'm excited to share my report this December. We talk about it being a wonderful time of the year, and it really is in SFUSD. Uh, just today, we were, uh, other one. Uh, there you go. Just today, we were serenaded by the Sloat Singers uh, from Commodore Sloat. This is an annual tradition where they come down to the district office and, uh, and share and sing a few songs for us, and they do it throughout the community. They helped raise, uh, 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 they were participating in a toy drive for SF firefighters, and uh, just so much fun, but also so inspiring, and to see uh, the uh, music teacher work with them, and, uh, just, and it's not just the usual carols, it's, it's songs that they do uh, where they really project and uh, sing, and, and just really proud of, the, of what the Commodore Sloat Singers are doing. Um, <clears throat> and we know there's a lot of uh, different holiday activities in our schools, so I encourage you to uh, visit them and see them, because it's great to see our students showcase their talent. If you go to the next slide, um, I got to see our access students. These are um, our uh, students with um, special needs that they are, um, who are our adult students from 18 to 22. And they put on an amazing sing-along uh, where uh, we, at MoMA actually, it was a great space to be together. And uh, the students sang and played instruments and led us all in a bunch of different songs. And they invited me to go up on stage as well and share my very limited guitar skills to, uh, to lead a song with the group. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and then... You know, we love these opportunities to showcase our students' talents, but you know, we're focused on our goals for student learning. And if you go to the next slide, um, got a chance to see some incredible work happening at John Muir, but really among four schools that have been piloting math lesson study. Um, and so on Wednesday, December 6, uh, we had some board commissioners there, as well as staff and education partners and city partners to witness a public research lesson um, as part of the whole school lesson study uh, around teaching math through problem solving. And so now it's in its second year at four uh, San Francisco schools. We were at John Muir, but Leonard Flynn, Malcolm X Academy, and Sanchez are the other schools participating. And it's based on um, a, both an approach to teaching as well as an approach to professional learning that really provides, um, it, it's a very thoughtful, intensive professional learning model where teachers talk to each other and research their practice with the help of an expert. And we are grateful to work with our city partners in expanding access to high quality math education for San Francisco public school students, as well as supporting a powerful model for professional learning. So we had district leadership there, and as we do our planning for next year, this is definitely informing uh, the work. And it's, a, it's just a great example of the power of collaboration and persistence in service of our goals to improve student outcomes in math. Um, so you just heard, uh, if you go to the next slide, a very little snippet of all the many, many exciting things happening at our schools. So just want to remind you that now's the time of year to apply for schools for 24-25. Um, you can uh, go to our website to create a list of schools, look at our enrollment guide, take a tour, and then apply online um, and get help from our enrollment center as well. The application deadline is February 2nd, so please make sure you get your applications in. One of our, if you go to the next slide, one of our other um, 
uh, we've talked about our goals for student learning, but one of our other areas that we're measuring are our guardrails and how we're making progress in serving the whole child. And we've identified attendance as an area. We did a progress monitoring report on chronic absenteeism showing so far we're starting the year having made improvement. And we're trying a different, few different strategies, including getting students to help um, to, to work with each other to encourage their classmates to be at school. So we did an attendance awareness art contest and we've identified six winners. Uh, we have six different posters we're sharing throughout the, the um, school district. Here's one of them and you can click on uh, our website and go to attendance awareness website um, uh, to see the, the other posters we have. And then lastly, this is, um, we're approaching winter break and I uh, just want to let the community know we do provide food resources during winter break. Um, schools will be on break from Jan December 20 22nd to January 5th, and you can go to sfusd.edu slash food resources for food access assistance. And these can help you or other families in the community during break. Um, and please remember, especially during the holidays, uh, that nutrition and food access are important to our students' health and wellness and everyone in our community. That concludes my report for tonight. Thank you for that, Superintendent. Um, at this time, we'll actually transition to item E, uh, the payroll state of emergency, and pass it back to the superintendent. So at the November meeting, I shared that uh, we had just passed our year anniversary of declaring our payroll state of emergency. And now we're really in a different place from where we were when we declared that state of emergency, but they were not yet at full stabilization. So we're in this transition phase where we still have work to do, but also really thinking about the longer term um, solutions to ensure that we have a fully functioning, not just payroll system, but budget and accounting system, human resources system, what we call an enterprise resource planning system. Um, so as I said, we're still though working, we're not where we need to be because if you go to the next slide, you'll see our ticket count. And we are at the lowest, uh, fewest number of tickets we've had at one point. Um, we reached that this, this, um, uh, this last month when it got to under 1,800. We're most recently at 1,865 tickets. Again, our peak when we were going up, up, and up was to 11,196. So we, we've made progress, but that's still too many tickets out there, and uh, we're working to resolve those. But if you go to the next slide, for this month um, and the next, uh, next really two months, we have you know, three clear priorities. So one is we have our end of year task. The end of year with the issuing of the W-2s uh, did not go as well as we needed last year, and so we're working to make sure we get out accurate information to our employees. We also tonight um, have bringing forward labor agreements for our board to approve, and we want to make sure we're implementing those labor agreements, um, knowing that uh, particularly with this system, it, it takes work to, um, to implement them. We want to be able to move as quickly as possible, but we also want to move and make sure we're doing it accurately, so it's going to take time, and we're working on our timeline for that. And then, as I said, continued ticket reduction. If you go to the next slide, though, ultimately we need a new um, enterprise resource planning system um, for all areas of our um, budget, finance, accounting, and payroll. And so we are looking at what, um, you know, which, what we think can be successfully implemented and sustained, and should we have one system uh, for all of those different modules. So if you go to the next slide, 
Um, last, last month I talked about how we're engaging in discovery and due diligence to determine how to move forward. Um, since then we've actually visited sites and looked at what other um, ERP system providers are doing in districts. Uh, I had shared we want to make sure we're, we're working with, like for our, our budget and accounting, we're working with uh, uh, systems that are used to, that are set up for K-12 schools and California K-12 schools. We've also been talking with our labor partners and staff to begin identifying needs for a whole system and planning a timeline for future implementation and do expect to bring forward next month a decision of how we're going to proceed. Um, so, uh, and, and really shifting then these updates from being a payroll state of emergency to being one where we talk about how we're transitioning and moving forward to have a fully functioning system. That concludes this report. Great, thank you, Superintendent. Uh, and that'll conclude item E for the board this evening. And so at this time, we will transition to item F. I uh, just want to remind the public that the board's public comment protocols are that we have public comment at the beginning of our agenda, so there will not be public comment after each agenda item. So if you would like to speak during public comment and you're in person, you are required to fill out a card and to turn that in to board staff. If you have not filled out a card, this is your last opportunity to do so to be able to speak. Uh, and also for the people who are participating virtually, uh, you are going to be asked to raise your hand um, and then we will create a, a queue of folks to participate. Um, what we're gonna do right now to get started actually is to see if we have any students in person or virtually um, who would like to provide public comment and then we will go to um, public comment on non-agenda items and then uh, public comment on agenda items. I don't have any speaker cards from students. Okay, can we check our virtual audience? If you're a student and you would like to speak at this time, please raise your hand. Again, this is a time for students only. Seeing no hands raised. Okay, and so with that, we will begin our in-person public comment on non-agenda items, and we'll start calling names. Selena Chu. What's this for? It's, that's my name. It's, it's generic comments. Generic comments. Okay. All right, so T Terry, you're up too. Okay. Selena, go ahead. Sorry. Hello. Hi. Um, my name is Selena Chu, and I'm speaking on the non-agenda um, item regarding the um, uh, public comment. Um, I'm kind of surprised to see that um, it, you know, on the agenda it says, um, you know, uh, for virtual attendees that wanting to speak has to get the approval from the chair or the president. I feel like even if. Uh, you know, parents wants to attend um, the board meeting online, they should be allowed to speak just like us here um, without, um, you know, uh, taking that right from them. Because just like today, you know, I, I think uh, two times I parked my car outside, I got smashed. And today I was wondering, hey, should I show up in person or should I just, you know, attend virtually? Um, you know, if I attended virtually, that could mean that I don't get to speak right on important items. So I think, um, uh, coming 
to know that uh, par you know families actually have uh, multiple obligations. We should allow that uh, for them to speak over online. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, board. I'm sorry in advance. It's going to be a uh, sort of not electric, organic. My name is Thierry Phil. Normally, you should know me. I've been talking to uh, the government for since February now. It's like I'm French, you can tell. We are not messing with education at all anymore. The future of humanity is to redefine the system of education. I've been put in charge indirectly to make sure that this is going to happen. So we're going to have to use intelligence big time, which means that we don't need anybody wearing a mask if he's not a surgeon. Because this is not intelligence. I'm sorry. Thank you. Now, that's it? Yes, you had one minute to speak. Thank you. One minute? Yes. Have a good night. Okay, uh, that was it for non-agenda items in person. I have everyone's card, but your items are on the agenda, so you'll be speaking in the next section. Thank you. Let's put the call out for hands virtually for non-agenda items, please. Yes. Oh. For virtual participants, please raise your hand if you'd like to speak to non-agenda items. Again, this is for non-agenda items. Can we please have that repeated in Spanish and Chinese? Thank you. Thank you. Aaron? Aaron, go ahead, please. Um, thank you. Um, there's an, uh, I am, my name's Aaron. I'm with Parents for Public Schools of San Francisco. And um, I am a woman living with multiple disabilities. And in fact, um, if you could know that um, using a screen reader on my computer because I'm blind, it takes an extra step to um, to mute my, unmute myself. So. If that could ever be considered as an extra addition to um, remote public comment, that would be much appreciated. But um, I wanted to quickly just address the matter of having enough um, resource staff at schools, um, from, such as librarians, counselors, um, social workers. Uh, as a child growing up in public education, those resource staff were the ones that really helped me, helped in my attendance, helped in me feeling like I'm seen in my uh, school community, and helped me thrive academically. 
and I would really hope that we can find other ways to make cuts to the budget and whatever proposals, um, staff vacancies that are listed could be not start with those because that will affect the school negatively and then no schools will have to close because they weren't getting as many resources. And I think the last thing we all want to see is school closure. Thank you for your time and uh, for listening. Thank you. Chris? Hi, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Hi, good evening, honorable commissioners. My name is Chris Lyon. I use he, him pronouns, and I'm a parent at Rosa Parks Elementary School. I wanted to just draw your attention to some staffing needs that we have at the school, particularly for our vulnerable students. Uh, we do not have um, an occupational therapist at Rosa Parks Elementary, and as the commissioners are aware, um, OT helps with sensory goals, including writing, shoe tying, and cutting. And there are six uh, pre-K students at Raphael Wheel who are eligible for OT services, and 12 at the elementary school um, who are eligible but are receiving no occupational therapy uh, support, and have not for the entire school year. Uh, the second issue that I'd like to draw your attention to is that we do not have a speech pathologist. Uh, there are 60 students eligible for speech, languages, speech language services, um, and the general ed teachers rely on input from the speech pathologist to support in the classroom. We also have three autism-focused special day classes. And we are just um, I, I am lacking. sorry to have to interrupt you, Chris. That is your time. Thank you. Thank you. Gentle reminder, each speaker will have one minute to speak. Julian? Yes. Yeah, hello. Go ahead, please. Right. We can hear you. Okay. Uh, hello, everyone at the school board. My name is Julian Picaro, and I'm a senior at the high school. One issue I wanted, an issue I wanted to bring to your attention is the is the admissions at law. Uh, the current merit-based admissions is uh, it's causing a lack of sense of reliance among students of ethnicities that aren't largely represented in the student population, such as African American and Latinx. Uh, there have been many racist microaggressions between black and Latinx students, such as racist jokes being exchanged, comments about people's skin color, whether or not they deserve to get in, and even larger issues like racist imagery in school palettes and even fights. I believe that to, that to reduce racism at all, the school board needs to act now to change the admissions policy to be more inclusive and less selective. I support a lottery based admissions because it would allow the students from more diverse backgrounds to be to be in in school. As a white student, I think I would benefit from more diversity because it can teach me about other cultures so I can work to make our society more inclusive. Uh, I've also learned many valuable life lessons in school, and I want many other people who are willing to go to all to Julian, thank you so much. I'm, I'm very sorry to have to interrupt you. That is your time. Thank you. Chris? 
Hi, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. I'm Chris Fouts, a SPED teacher and UESF Union Building Representative from Washington High School. After what happened at Washington and Galileo last week, I'd like to request that SFUSD provide additional clarity and training around procedures related to emergency situations and potential lockdown situations on school campuses to their staff. I'd also like to make sure that the unions of employees put at risk in emergency situations are notified by SFUSD of those situations in a timely manner after they occur, ideally before or at the same time that public comments about those situations are made by SFUSD Thank you. Brandy? Hello, my name is Brandy. I'm a public school parent in the Richmond District. Uh, just hearing the uh, colors before me really makes me wish that the board had not done away with uh, the oversight committees that it used to have, budget and business services. Um, is really needed right now, given our payroll, the payroll debacle. Our staffing situa uh, situation could really benefit from the Human Resources and Personnel Committee. Obviously, our facilities are in dire shape and would really benefit from a facilities uh, committee. The, the program and curriculum committee is, to me, absolutely essential when we're talking about changing curriculum, when we're talking about um, student attendance, the public really needs to have more transparency and have the, the ability to comment on all of these things. And since the district is really in a state of crisis in a lot of these areas, I am asking you to bring back those committees. I, I really think that um, it, it's very tragic that they were taken away, and I think that they need to be restored. Thank you. Thank you. Sam? Hi, um, I think it's funny, I'm right after Brandy because I actually was calling about the same thing. I'm really frustrated that we don't have a budget committee where the parents can come and learn more and give more feedback in process instead of being surprised by things. I'm a parent at Buena Vista Horace Man. The fact that we don't have a facilities and building committee is really detrimental to my community. We want to interact more with the district and give more feedback, and the fact that we can't do that is a real problem. And one minute for comment is not a replacement for that. We need real dialogue, and I miss the pack. Thank you. Thank you. Allison? Um, hi. Um, I just want to echo the, the comment of the, the teacher from WASH earlier um, about um, safety protocols. Um, I'm a parent at Galileo, um, and um, those, were, those two incidences were definitely not handled well. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, my, my students spent the whole weekend feeling frustrated and scared um, and really not wanting to go back this week. So we really need to review those, those policies and. Um, and how we handle those incidents and keeping our students and staff safe. Thank you. Thank you. That does conclu conclude virtual public comment for non-agenda items. I did have a card, excuse my voice, I did have a card with four more folks for non-agenda items that I missed before. Why don't we start with them and then transition into the agenda items right after. Thank you. Okay, Jackie Zen, Angela Zhao, 
um, Fang Jian Wu and Josephine. Hello. You have one minute each. Hello, Hello, Hello,大家好,我叫Jackie 和我在老師現在得到了個接近百分之三十的人工的升方請盡快召聽合格的老師Uh, I am a representative of the uh, CPAC. Uh, my friend's children are studying in a middle school and there is no qualified math teacher and the teacher does not teach well. Uh, they have complained several times to the administrator but uh, there was uh, no response. Uh, they are now worried that the teachers would target their children because they speak up. Please ask the school to take this accountability seriously. Uh, it is also great that the teachers will receive a salary increase of 30%. Please use this salary increase to recruit qualified teachers. Please also make sure that the current teachers are receiving regular training assessments so that we can entrust our children to the schools. Uh, we need the school district to recognize and support Chinese and Asian communities, establish the Asian PAC, and formally listen to our voice. Thank you. 大家晚上好 uh, good evening, my name is Ng Fon Su. I am a parent in the school district. Uh, my, I have a eldest child that will be going to middle school soon. Uh, I heard from some middle school parents that some of the classrooms don't have qualified teachers. We hope that the school district will pay attention to this issue, recruit qualified teachers, and provide teachers with regular training. For example, when renewing their teaching certificates, teachers should have updated training and assessments. This will ensure the quality of our education, and, and we as parents can be uh, reassured. Thank you. Uh 
，我卻無法參與學校嘅活動，因為學校嘅會議都係講英文，沒有人接待我哋，不知道發生咩事，無法給意見幫忙。希望你們呢個月能夠成立亞裔家長諮詢委員會。我哋有傾訴嘅地方，亦希望你哋請懂得中文學校管理層同埋職員同埋服務我哋。希望你們採取公平嘅步驟同埋做資源嘅調整，不要像上次。咁樣去找華人社區開刀，請不要丟下我哋佔校區百分之三十嘅低收英語學習生同埋學生家長。多謝曬。誒 ，Good evening, Commissioners. Uh, my name is Angela. Uh, I am a parent at a high school, and I used to be very involved in, at school, and I was a member of the PAC. Uh, now that my child has gone on to high school, uh, I cannot uh, participate in the school activities because the school meetings are all conducted in English. And, and there is no one to uh, receive us or explain things to us. We have no idea what's going on and we cannot help or give input. I hope you will establish the Asian American P Parent Advisory Committee this month so that we can have a place to give input. Uh, we also hope that you will hire Chinese-speaking school administrators and staff to uh, assist us and serve us. Uh, we hope you will have a more equitable process for resource alignment and not uh, make cuts to the Chinese community like last time. Uh, please don't leave us behind. Low-income parents of English learners account for 30% of the school district. Thank you. Good evening. CPAC is still fighting for recognition and still fighting for being allowed for a seat at the table. We were thinking we will be part of the launch for tomorrow, but we're not making it. And I'm still hearing sentiments that because Chinese Americans, Asian Americans work really hard and our students, our children's grades are up there, we're next to some other group. Therefore, we are some adjacent. Therefore, we don't count. Therefore, the service will be not for us. I'm hearing that today. And that's not acceptable. We need to be received and accepted and recognized for who we are. We spend a lot of resources and time to send our kids to after school, to Saturday school, so that school district does not have to worry about them and save your resource to where it counts, but that does not mean that we don't count, that we are not worth it. We belong here, please accept us. ATM Pack. thank you. That concludes non-agenda items, we'll move on to agenda. I'm gonna call the first five speakers, you can come line up, you'll have one minute each to speak. Jenny Moore, Rex Ridgeway, Rebecca, yes, <laughs> Autumn Brown, Rafael Picasso, thank you, um, and Sarah Montoya. Hi, I'm Jenny Moore. I'm a parent at Academy High School. I'm here because I'm angry, very angry. I've been asking for transparency since May regarding the closure of our school, and I've been getting nothing in return. Uh, I'm angry because you've been dangling the redesign program as a carrot in front of our faces, uh, telling us that if we can design a program that's both equitable and unique as a learning opportunity in San Francisco Unified, you'd let us stay open. Uh, but that doesn't seem to be the case because with this new budget proposal, you will cut our faculty by half. We cannot run a school 
with the faculty by half, let alone implement a new design program. I feel like you're having us design for a larger school and not ours. I'm angry that you're failing my daughter who lost her eighth grade year to the pandemic and will now lose her senior year because you're gonna close her school or take away her teachers or something. I'm angry that you are putting the bear of this news on our principal and on Tammy to come and tell us this bad news, but not giving them the autonomy or the information to answer our questions or address our concerns. And I'm angry that half of our teachers don't know if they're gonna have a job next year. Thanks, do better. Uh, my name is Rex Ridgeway, and I come to here to talk about a difficult uh, discussion that's coming up, it's unavoidable, and that's school closures. So I'm actually speaking to parents who have kids at elementary schools. So you should be concerned if your school has under 20, 200 uh, kids enrolled, you should be concerned if your kids in, are at a school that has low academic performance, and you should be concerned if your school, your elementary school does not, in OT, does not have a TK. These are schools that are probably going to be looked at harder for consideration of consolidating, and the bond that they're gonna float in 2024 would not list any schools. So parents of elementary school children, parents look at your schools and get on the school site councils that they help, but schools with low enrollment, underperformance, and don't have TKs, buckle up. Thank you. Hello, my name is Rebecca Fedorko. I'm a special ed teacher. I do TK, it's the best, I highly recommend. Um, I'm here to speak about how I feel like the way we treat our special ed teachers impacts our budget, and I'm watching this really closely with our related service providers this year. Um, there's been a couple incidents with related service providers with, that are with the district that have been made to feel really inappropriate. It's been really irresponsible by the people supervising them. And so what happens is we see a lot of related service providers like speech therapists and occupational therapists leave and go to a contracting agency because they have more protections. They don't have to supervise recess. They don't have to do all of these things that we don't have time for as special ed providers because we have a mountain of paperwork. Any of you are welcome to come, like I can give you a tour of what paperwork looks like. So like we need to treat our special ed providers better because I get calls from agencies to contract out and I would make more working for them than I do for you. But I want to keep working for you. Thank, Thank you. you. Good evening, my name is Autumn Brown Garibay. I am the president of the PTA at Flynn Elementary, um, an elementary school that is a Title I school in the district. Um, my school is very important to me and I'm here tonight because I feel like there's going to be a lot of information that is unclear as a parent and as an advocate for people at my school. Um, and so I told others in my community that I would come here tonight um, and listen in the room to see what I could learn as a part of these budget cuts. What I'm asking for is some transparency and in information and in numbers so that we can understand the decisions that are being made from a data based approach so that we understand and can help others to understand the decisions that's be, that are being made. I have friends at one school across um, the mission who are asking me, should I transfer to your school? Is my school going to be closed? We have under 200 students at our school. Do you know, do you know, do you know? The fact is I don't know anything, but a lot of my community relies on me because I try to find out as much as I can. Please give us the information so that we can help our community. Thank you. 
Hello, my name is Sarah Montoya. I'm the mother of uh, two children in SFUSD. Um, and I am here asking for the same thing others are asking for, for transparency in what the budget cuts are, how they will directly impact our students. Um, I have two children, one with an IEP, one with a 504, and I already feel like the school district is not offering them the support that they could receive at many other school districts. And I don't wanna hear that this is what I can expect from an urban public school. We are an amazing city with amazing resources. And I believe that my children deserve an excellent education and that you have the capacity to offer them that with budget cuts that do not harm students. Thank you. Good evening, Dr. Wayne, honorable board members. My name is Rafael Picasso, SCIU Local 1021 president. I wanna say, uh, stand here in strong support of uh, approving both SEIU's contract agreements that we worked hard on, difficult year, a lot of time, but we got it together and we prevented a major impact on this city that would have had a big effect on this school district. That being said, let's get those two contracts approved, both for SEIU and UESF. Thank you. Calling the next group, Chanel Blackwell, Jeff Lucas, Bridget Dyer, I think it's Remy Tan. I'm sorry, I can't read it. Supriya Ray. Hi, I'm Jeff Lucas. I appreciate the work that is done to get us here tonight. There are two major labor agreements that you're gonna be voting on later, but there's much more work to be done. Um, as evidenced by the qualified certification um, recommendation. It seems uh, wrong that you're gonna vote to approve some labor contracts that need to be approved, but we don't have a plan to pay for them, and that's why we have a qualified certification. Also, what is missing um, is an operational impact. Uh, yes, there's a lot of dollars thrown around, and here's how the budget savings are gonna be in terms of dollars, but really you're moving people around, and there's really no transparency as to which people um, are you, are, are you not gonna refill? Uh, what's the impact to the schools? What's gonna be the impact uh, to the students? We have goals on student outcomes. How are resources aligned to help us meet those student outcome goals? Thank you. Hi, Chanel Blackwell, um, parent of two, um, two sons, 12th and 7th grade. And um, I just want to um, talk about the agenda E, the um, pay for a state of uh, emergency update. And um, I read on um, an article that Empowers FF may be scrapped soon, and we need to make sure that um, this is true. What will the district do differently when choosing a new payroll approach? What is the timeline, and who is going to be held accountable if the implementation does not go well? Um, that said, um, my son, who's a senior, um, he had, um, uh, there was an African-American um, class, AP class, and it was um, scrapped because the, the African-American teacher left because of the empowerment situation. Um, she left like within three weeks. And um, 
And it was upsetting for my son and other students that lobbied and advocated in spring 2023 for this class to be done. The comforting part is that we don't want this to happen again. Um, so when it, when, so the next person, the next kids, when they come along, be able to have this class, this important class. Thank, Thank you. you. Hello, my name is Bridget Dyer. I'm a BVHM parent of a second grader and a fourth grader. One of my children has an IEP. I'm talking about the budget cuts that are proposed. I object to cutting uh, staff in both the school sites and the districts. School staff, because we don't have enough direct staff working with the kids already. And the district, because we need substitute teachers. My, if you're, I also object to increasing class sizes from 22 to greater than 30. My child was in a class last year that had a teacher that had an FMLA event. There were no substitutes. They split his class into two classes, and so he was in a class with students greater than 30, and it was a disaster. It was academically a disaster for him. It was socially a disaster for him. It, the lack of staff on the playground has led to a lot more homophobic comments to both of my children, and I want us to take care of our children instead of cutting the budget to make up for poor administration. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. My name is Supriya Ray, and I'm here today to comment on trust, transparency, and the budget, sort of how all these things interrelate. As has been mentioned before by one of the other parents, there's been articles about uh, scrapping in power. I believe that whole debacle has cost us about $40 million, if I uh, read that information correctly. That's $40 million of taxpayer money <laughs> that has essentially gone down the drain, and which is further causing the trust in SFUSD to spiral downward. And when we're facing this huge budget deficit, it's absolutely critical to be as transparent as possible with the public in order to try to I mean, I feel like trust has so far fallen so far in this district. So many people have told me that they're leaving, even within the last couple of weeks. It's just really, really troubling. We need to reassure people that people can handle things in the district and do basic functions like paying people and teaching kids to read. Thank you. Good evening. Um, my name is Ramey Tan, uh, architect and uh, concerned community member. Um, I just uh, was in a conference call last night uh, uh, from the uh, Families uh, for SF, and they uh, reported about the uh, budget um, issue. And, and actually, San Francisco is one of the best funded per, per uh, student uh, school district, uh, close to 28,000 per student. But we have a huge deficit because our schools are unfortunately drastically un under-enrolled. So, uh, you know, the board really got to look hard and close at uh, school closures, unfortunately, and, um, you know, pick, you know, by picking the worst buildings that, that need the most work, probably close those down, and then uh, close the worst performing schools, and then consolidate those into the better schools, um, and that would reduce the amount of, um, of administration staff that was needed, and that money can go back into the classrooms. Um, so this, you know, it's been a 
proven things. Um, there are districts around the Bay Area that, that have done this and, and um, raised their performance, you know, from fives up to eight or nines. Thank you. This. Thank you. I have two more cards for in person. Melissa Rodriguez and Shelly Weiner. Hi, my name is Melissa Rodriguez. I'm a parent of an eighth grader and a third grader at BBHM. Um, the uh, families and students and staff um, of BBHM have repeatedly objected to the district's plan to separate uh, BBHM during renovations and have offered a reasonable counter proposal because I think that's fair and appropriate. Um, but so far in response, um, those ideas haven't really been taken seriously and we've also been told basically threaten that these renovations won't happen if we don't just go along with the plan and I'm hoping that um, that rather than do that that maybe our proposal can be taken more seriously um, my kids asked me to speak on their behalf my third grader says if you're a parent who works long hours as many of our parents do um, and have a kid in elementary school and in middle school, it would be very hard to get them to school and yourself to work on time. My eighth grader wanted you all to know that we at BVHM are a family and we do not separate families. Um, we are supposed to be a student-centered district. I expect our actions to live those values. Thank you so much. Good evening, Dr. Wayne, members of the school board. Uh, I'm Shelley Weiner. I'm the secretary of our chapter of SEIU 1021. I'm speaking tonight, of course, for your uh, support in passing the uh, contract for us with the district that's coming across as item G2. I also want to take this moment to thank you for finding Dr. Rosa Coronado to help shepherd us through this process. Dr. Coronado is indeed a jewel for the district and I can only say it's too bad she's a contracted person and not a full employee. Thank you and have a good evening. Hello, um, my name is Selena Chu, um, a mom of two SFUSD students. So um, I'm hearing a lot from this room and also outside of this room that the public need uh, public wants SFUSD to have uh, more transparency um, in you know, um, and to, to propose uh, projects also to follow up with them so they're not just falling off. Um, I think uh, in regards of Empower, um, if you're shopping for a new one, I think um, you need to put in the clause that if, um, you know, a timeline, a deadline, uh, uh, user testing, whatever it needs to do in order to make it work so it doesn't fall again because that's a lot of money that we're wasting and uh, the impact is huge. We have people who can't stay because they don't get paid. If we have that much money, put it into uh, um, lunch for kids because my kids are not eating lunch and he's not alone. There's other kids who are not eating lunch because they're gross and disgusting. We should have other options. Thank you. That concludes in-person public comment for agenda items. At this time, we will take public comment for agenda items for our virtual, from our virtual participants. Each speaker will have one minute to speak. Can we please have that repeated in Spanish and Chinese? Buenas noches. Este es el momento para hacer su comentario público. 
Estos comentarios públicos tienen la duración de un minuto y tiene que ver con las cuestiones de la agenda. Por favor, gracias. Thank you. 大家好，而家輪到係誒網上嘅公眾發表意見時段。而家呢個時段係就我哋嘅議程而發表意見。每個人嘅發表時間係意誒發表意見時間係一分鐘。多謝你 ，Thank you。Thank you。Chris。Hi， I'm Chris Klaus， a SPED teacher from Washington High School。and a member of UESF's ARC. I hope that the Board of Ed will ratify both of the tentative agreements that SFUSD has with SEIU and UESF, and that when discussing the budget, the district staff and board members will refrain, will refrain from blaming budget cuts on its employees when the district has a long history of financial mismanagement that does not relate to these tentative agreements. Our needed pay raises and working condition improvements are not the cause of SFUSD's budget woes. We are the ones directly supporting students, and it is not their fault or our fault that SFUSD has historically failed to manage its budget. I also hope that the district will be prepared to make serious improvements to working conditions as we move to bargain for SPED and associated position working conditions in the coming months, even if those improvements come with a financial cost. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Brandy? Hello, my name is Brandy Markman. I am on the organizing committee of the San Francisco Education Alliance. This is in regards uh, to a comment earlier about asking for school closures. Uh, three of our member, three members of the San Francisco Education Alliance worked, uh, authored a resolution that was passed nearly unanimously by the San Francisco Democratic Party Central Committee against school closures. We do not need to be closing schools in a town with 70 billionaires. And I also want to say that unlike my group, um, is not like the group Families for San Francisco, which is funded by a pro-charter school billionaire by the name of Michael Moritz, who also bankrolled the recall and also underwrites the um, San Francisco Parent Coalition Political Action Committee. So I just want folks to be aware of some of the, the big money in action and uh, pro-privatization, pro-school closures, uh, pro closures movement in our city. Um, this is not democratic. Thank you, Brandy. I'm, I'm sorry to have to interrupt you. That is your time. Thank you. Sam? Hi, lack of staff leaves SPED students without services, and it's not only morally wrong, it leaves our district open to lawsuits. These proposals of RECs to be eliminated is purposely confusing. It treats our children as if they are widgets. Children lose ground when teachers and paras are not there. Reminder, some of these positions will have applicants in the new year when the new raises are, laser, are labor partners said was needed for competitive hiring. You need those competitive salaries to fill those wrecks. That is the problem. Thank you. Thank you. Tom? Hi, I'm a parent in the district and a special education teacher. <coughs> I just want a quick reminder, the Q&A is, if you can remind people what it's used for, because it's not just to say hello to people. Thank you. Also, Matt Wayne. 
Um, you know, I've asked you to come to Lord's Works so many times over the last two years. For some reason, you still have not. Once again, please come. I'm on the bargaining team. I'm also going to be on the SPED reopener. I'm urging parents to consider this. The district did not bargain in good faith with special education. They said we're already in a crisis, and if we lower the case numbers of special education teachers, we'll be even more of a crisis. So the answer was to give all SPED teachers $1,000 and not approve their working conditions. So once again, empower. If it affects one employee, that's one too many. I can't tell you how many people who are listening to this can't be angry about the fact that people are not being paid. We live in San Francisco. This is teachers we're talking about. And to say we're making improvements, it should be fixed already. This is a year. So stop lying. Stop trying to sugarcoat. Okay? Come to schools, see what people need, and stop being fake. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Marshall? Yes. Thank you so much, again, sister. Uh, good, good evening to President Vogas, Board Commissioners, Superintendent Wayne, students and delegates. I have a couple things to share that I'm very happy with. I'm the African-American community, very happy with. One, Empower. He wasted millions of dollars on this useless system, didn't pay folks. So we said to you, the, uh, the old system worked. Worked. Why waste this money? And you did. So don't waste money on a new system. Go back to the old system. It worked. You waste all that money. Forty million dollars plus, I understand. Board meetings, both board meetings should have public testimony. Don't hide behind your position. Listen to what the people have to say. How do you do that? Have public testimony at both board meetings. Please, no school closures. Would you want your child or grandchild school closed? I don't think so. This past week, I was at my graduate school. She had a substitute teacher. The teacher didn't have a credential. Shame on you. She said, I chose not to go into education years ago. I went to public health, but they so desperate they don't hire anybody. Thank you, Ms. Marshall. I'm sorry to have to interrupt you. That is your time. Thank you. Bernice. Good evening, my name is Bernice Casey. I have two children in the district. <clears throat> my youngest child is a fourth grader at Buena Vista Horace Mann. I am urging the board not to pass any budget proposals that require staff to work to contract. As some other parents and teachers have said, this will negatively impact special education students. My child last year did not get all of his fate minutes, which as other parents have said, is a violation of the law. And if you make additional cuts, there will be people like me who will have to use my resources to sue the district. <laughs> that is what you're looking at when you continue to ignore communities that you have historically marginalized by your inaction. Please do what you're required to do and work for the sake of our students. Thank you. Thank you. SF Parents. Hi, thank you. This is Meredith Dodson with San Francisco Parent Coalition. Um, we engage families from over 110 SFUSD public schools. We advocate for excellent and equitable public schools. Um, I think we're hearing loud and clear families tonight. We have to fix our budget 
We have to follow through with this overdue raise to our teachers, to our staff, and we have to make it crystal clear to the community what is the plan, how are students being centered throughout this process and in every decision made. We don't see enough information here, it's not a real plan, and families are worried. What is school going to look like for their kids in a few years? We're spending our reserves down to zero. We're using one-time funds that will be around next year. We're not articulating how funds will impact kids. It's time for us to do better. We sound like a broken record, but we need to stop kicking the can down the road, stop playing chicken with the state, make the hard decisions necessary, and put all of our efforts to align the budget to our goals for our students. Thank you. Thank you. Charles? Uh, I just want to comment specifically about the positions, uh, the position cuts, specifically related to uh, the federal mandates uh, with special education. Um, I think. I think the cuts to special education uh, teachers would be tragic um, and would be against the federal mandates. Um, just because we can't fill the jobs, we can't close them. Um, I specifically want to talk about early childhood special education teachers and special education content specialists. Who's going to uh, serve the youngest and most vulnerable students? And who's going to serve the students or, or all the students at the sites in coordinating the services with the district? Please vote yes and ratify the SEIU and UESF contracts. And honestly, after Empower, what person in SF will vote for $1 billion, $1 billion unspecified contract or bond measure? Thank you. Thank you. Rianda? Good evening, board commissioners and superintendent Lane. I was calling in in support of everything that Ms. Marshall said previously. Um, I ask that the board be fiscally responsible with the new payroll system, whatever that is. This was a huge waste of taxpayer dollars, and it cost us a lot of educators in the process, and it ultimately it cost the children. We have to make better choices and better decisions to ensure that the teachers and our students are negatively impacted because that's what makes the district. Also, um, I ask that we ensure that we're doing everything that we can to retain quality teachers, number one, by paying them, and number two, by paying them a livable wage. We need to ensure that we have certificated teachers that want to come to the district because school closures should not be a thing in this city, um, as it was mentioned previously, of so many billionaires. If we can get together money to create a school, you mentioned a school, where millions of dollars are donated, then we should be able to have that same money spent across the district to ensure that not one school gets closed. When children select a school with their families, it's because that school means something to them. It shouldn't be up to the district to close it. To thank the thank you, Rianda. I'm sorry. Let's make better choices. I'm this. sorry to have to interrupt you. That is your time. Thank you. Hava? Um, yes, I wanted to talk about um, special education bargaining that's coming up, and I just wanted to highlight what's already been said, and that is the administrative burden. Um, it's not only for special education, it's not only relevant as far as vacancies, but also retention and high teacher turnover. 
we need to be mindful that our sped educators are really, really exhausted. So please keep that in mind. The other thing is when you're thinking about this budget and allocations, every school needs to have the staff and support that is aligned with multi-tiered support services that are dire and crucial for our students, all of our students. And that is number one. And number two, the last thing, as you're moving forward for parents, not only do we need transparency, but if you could translate some of this into layman's terms, into what it actually is going to look like on the ground, that might be helpful in, in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. Laura? Hi everyone, Nada Badia, parent of two kiddos in the district. Um, I also had the pleasure of working with a lot of families in the Southeast. Um, and again, I call for transparency. I call for clear communication about what these impacts are, how it's gonna roll into the first day of school next year. Um, we, we just can't afford to not have qualified teachers in our classrooms. Uh, we have many um, very ambitious goals, getting, one of them being getting our kids to third grade literacy, or, or um, grade level reading by third grade. And I just don't know how that could be possible. We are cutting back, um, we're cutting back our staffing and um, just continues making bad choices. So please come out and visit us. See what, what the day to day is and what it takes to have successful thriving schools. Thank you. Thank you. Uma? Hello. Hi, uh, this is uh, Uma. I have a fourth grader in SFUSD. And I just want to say that tied to all of the budget and the instability, <coughs> one of the key things that we don't seem to be talking about is enrollment. And enrollment keeps dropping year over year, and that's because families are not being served. We really have to get all of the things sorted immediately to get confidence back in this in families in the city so that the current and future families stay with SFUSD instead of continuously leaving. What we need is a clear, transparent plan now and working back from that plan instead of one after the other repeated set of things just continuing to have the same conversations around empower, around the budget, around school closures. You need to move on some of these things with a clear plan and share it back with families instead of continuing to do this and keep families in the dark. Thank you. Thank you. Angel? Yes, thank you. Good evening, everyone, um, commissioners, and everybody in the in the meeting. Um, this is Angel. I have a ninth grader at Balboa Park High School, and I really appreciate that the previous speaker she really mentioned that uh, we need to improve our services, um, especially uh, we want to focus on the instructional costs. Um, please increase the teachers' pay and 
the classroom uh, budgets, please uh, keep the services and improve it so that students will remain uh, high in enrollment rate. So in that way, we can get more uh, state budget and funding. Thank you so much. Thank you. Vanessa? Hi there. Good, good um, evening, everyone. Thank you for being um, working tonight, commissioners. I wanted to just uplift this notion of visiting schools. I would like superintendent to identify community partners to visit schools, every single school at SFUSD, for a school walk so that we could really understand what resources are at schools and what are they lacking in real life. I think once we do that, it'll be better to initiate any plans related to resource allocation. Thank you and have a good night. Thank you. That does conclude virtual public comment for agenda items. Thank you so much for all the folks who provided public comment during our open session here. Um, and now we will transition to item uh, G1, and I will call on the superintendent um, to present. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Bogus. Um, we are presenting the uh, first interim report, and before presenting the details of the first interim, just want to provide an overview of our budget and what it means to bring forward our AB 1200 plan. So let me get the presentation up here. Okay, and tonight we're gonna to talk about why we need to align our resources and what is an AB 1200 in our multi-year projection, then share some of our budget balancing solutions and talk about next steps. And then as I said, we'll get into the details of uh, the first interim report. And tonight we're going to hear about a lot of numbers. We're gonna talk about the you know, amount we're deficit spending, or the number of students we are seeing in declining enrollment, or the uh, amount we need to spend to improve our facilities. But I wanted to start off with saying that there's one number that I think is the most important number. For me it's a number that, that wakes me up in the morning and keeps me engaged and excited about this work. And that is 1,000. Because 1,000 represents the number of hours our students spend in the classroom each year. This is the time that we really have an opportunity to make an impact and help improve their education so that they're meeting our goals and guardrails. So as we talk about the budget and aligning resources, uh, I try to make sure that we keep in mind how are the decisions we making, that we're making impacting those 1,000 hours? And how do we make sure that that's the most meaningful time our students spend all year? And so with that, when we're talking about how we're going to align our resources, we've adopted the Council of Great City Schools frameworks. And, we, um, and there, we've identified outcomes that we're working towards. And so then we need to think, what are the inputs and outputs that lead to those outcomes? So a simple way to think about this is the inputs are our resources. So let's take, if we're talking about literacy, <coughs> right? We're investing in a new curriculum. That's an input um, that emphasizes foundational skills and then training for our teachers for the new curriculum. The output would be the teachers then using the curriculum in the classroom and putting in practice those, uh, what they're learning about teaching foundational skills. 
then the outcome would be, ideally, we put this in place and we see an improvement in, in student literacy and more students making progress to our goal of third grade literacy. And so again, we've done the work on establishing the outcomes. These are our goals for student learning. And as we've talked about resource alignment, we've identified what are the major outputs that we think will help lead to those outcomes. You know, and as I said, first and foremost is what happens in the classroom. That's where we have an opportunity to have an impact. So it's making sure that every child is receiving high quality instruction. At the same time, we have a guardrail and we value serving the whole child, so making sure that there are student support so they can focus on their academics when they're in the classroom. As well as we know, we need programs that are effective, that we're getting demonstrable results uh, to, uh, to help our students ultimately graduate college and career ready. And of course, our staff need to be supported. And then we need an enrollment system that's parent friendly and where parents have confidence that their students are gonna enroll in schools that are going to meet their needs. So this is overall what we need to work on uh, to become a most effective district. When we talk about inputs though, and what we're talking about tonight is what is the most important input, and that is our staff. All the strategies we have planned, um, all the curriculum we order, none of that is going to have an impact if we don't have highly qualified staff in the classrooms and staff who is supporting them and our students and families. And in our schools right now, we hear it practically every board meeting, that staff turnover and unfilled <coughs> vacancies are the greatest challenges we currently face. And so I appreciate the Board of Education uh, tonight is going to be taking bold action to help attract and retain staff uh, by approving our labor agreements, as well as ensuring that we can focus on our goals and guardrails. And ultimately, I just want to say our staff deserve it. I'm in schools all the time and see how hard working our staff is, our teachers. I'm greeted with a smile by T10s every day. Our office staff welcome us. And they're working in challenging conditions, and they deserve they deserve this. So when we share our plans, we'll talk about the different inputs specifically to literacy, math, and college and career readiness. But I want to be clear that ultimately our most important input is our staff. So now that we're investing in our staff, what do we need to do? Well, first we need to demonstrate how we can afford the investment. And the state asks us to do that by presenting an AB 1200 plan. Then we need to we, as we go through our next round of budget planning and plan for the 24-25 school year, we really need to re-envision our staffing and our budgeting processes to ensure that schools are appropriately staffed and that we are focusing on our expenditures on what will help us achieve our goals and guardrails, particularly for our most underserved students, right? Because it's more often in schools that serve uh, you know, a greater number of multilingual learners, or a greater number of black and brown students, or a greater number of special education students, where we're seeing the impact of these vacancies. And so uh, folk, uh, providing stability and ensuring that we have staffing at our schools is critical to meeting our goals and guardrails. So I also want to be clear, because I know there, there, there's questions. The, the community wants transparency and wants to understand where we're going with our budget. So I added this slide in so it's clear that we understand what's happening tonight and what's not happening tonight. So tonight we're presenting the first interim, our labor agreements, and the AB 1200 plan to show how we'll, we'll be able to pay for the, the labor agreements. What's not happening tonight is we're not taking any layoffs, we're not asking the board to take actions that will impact school sites this year, and we're not changing the strategies we've identified for this year to improve student outcomes. We're still moving forward with our uh, literacy curriculum pilot. 
And I do want to note that we are required in December to bring forward a first interim. We're required when we bring forward a labor agreement to bring to present an AB 1200. This is not our overall budget nor our strategic plan. And I'll be talking a little bit later when we get to those and, and where we are in that process. But right now, I do want to ask uh, Dr. Clark to share a bit about our budget context, as well as what our multiple year projection, what it looks like in the, in the coming years. Thank you, Dr. Wayne. Just some general observations regarding the San Francisco Unified District's uh, budget process. I, I've been in this industry for about 25 years now and have seen a lot of districts and their budget development processes. I think overall what I would say is there are definitely some anomalies with how San Francisco develops their budget and some of the elements that go along with putting it together. Um, and those elements are, are really outside of what you would traditionally see in best business practices. And so we've been working very closely with the team to bring those areas um, into alignment. Um, I think the other thing that's important to note is that um, when we look at our budget, it, it's not a stagnant document. It's a living, breathing document that moves and changes on a regular basis. If we get new information based on revenue, we're going to make those adjustments. If there is new information based on expenses, we're going to make adjustments. So we're constantly updating the budget based on changes that may happen within um, any particular reporting period. This is an example of the district's multi-year projection, um, and this is really a high-level summary where we're looking at fiscal years 23-24 through 25-26. There are a couple of things that I want to point out in um, this document. If you look under the section B where we talk about total revenue, you'll see some reductions. The first line talks about enrollment reductions. This is based on the most up-to-date demographers report where it projects that the district will continue to decline in, in enrollment. And so we have to make reductions in, in revenue based on those assumptions. The second line is a reduced COLA or a cost of living adjustment. When the budget was adopted, the state's COLA was projected to be over 3%. The information that's coming in now is actually trending um, that number to be closer to 1%. In this particular budget, we landed at 2%, which was a reduction in revenue of $11.2 million. It's important to note that if the trend continues to 1%, you would likely see an additional $11.2 million reduction um, in the budget. The, the other section is um, under expenditures. This, is, this section includes cost, the, the adjustments for the salary increases for all bargaining units. We have made adjustments where you see the one-time shift where we're taking um, expenses out of the unrestricted general fund and moving them over to restricted resources. That third line looks at um, ongoing reductions or shifts. There's $40 million in 23-24, and as you can see going out, 103.1 million in 24-25 and $125.6 million um, in 25-26. In the uh, fund balance, we have the minimum state reserve of 2%. Um, there's still money set aside for the district's rainy day reserve. Um, the replacement of SAP or the ERP, SAP uh, dollar amount is there to potentially go to a full ERP system. Um, and so all of these elements make up um, this budget today. Next slide, please. 
So this sheet shows what happens without the budget balancing solutions. Again, under the revenue, the reductions in revenue stay the same, but if we were to take out the shifts in one-time uh, expenses over to restricted, if we were to take out the ongoing reductions, you would see that in the 24-25 fiscal year, the district would actually have a negative fund balance of approximately $190.4 million. And then in 25-26, that number compounds to $420 million. This is important because whenever we're looking at a first interim report and have to certify, we, we look at the current year plus two subsequent years Absent those budget balancing solutions, we would have had no choice but to bring forward a negative certification at first interim, which is definitely um, not a situation that any district wants to be in. And so because we've added in the budget balancing solutions that you will be reviewing and, and have, are recommended for approval, we are recommending a qualified certification because the number of our, um, budget balancing solutions is so large and it's going to take time to implement them. And so um, I think that the, the qualified certification is most appropriate at this point in time. Thank you, and, and uh, thank you. And we did want to give a picture of what happens without action, but we are um, presenting tonight action to do both one-time shifts as well as ongoing reductions. And I appreciate when Dr. Clark talks about budget balancing solutions. We're not trying to be euphemistic because it's not just making reductions. We're trying to figure out how we can leverage our dollars to support uh, what we know needs to be happening in our schools. And so the biggest action that we're taking right now is eliminating vacancies that we have on the books. We have $120 million of vacancies that are budgeted in the budget right now. And this has been a practice to maintain um, vacant positions that really we need to change. And so we're eliminating uh, 927 positions from that vacancy list to bring about a savings of $40 million. And we're keeping open positions for the school site, for the special, for school site, for special education, and for some central office operations. And particularly at the school site, if we, if we can bring more people in this year to fill our vacant classrooms or to fill paraeducator positions or to fill a speech therapist position, we will. And if we do more than what's open right now, we'll open positions. Um, but it doesn't make sense to continue having these in the budget um, when we have so many vacant positions. And so. Then what positions we will have for next year, what I know people are anxious to understand, that will be determined through our budget, balancing, uh, sorry, budget planning process. And so there might be some of these positions put back, but I do want to be transparent. We're not going to have, at the start of the next school year, another 1,113 positions uh, because we're doing the work to align our, our staffing to what our enrollment is. Um, and so then attached to the first interim, um, are several documents that lay out what these budget balancing solutions are. Uh, and so you see here, we, we have listed the eliminating the, the vacancies. Um, we also are looking at central office, how we're providing staffing at our schools, um, and then looking at like, materials and supplies and reducing consultants. And uh, then, as we shared, we're making shifts um, to one-time funds and our restricted fund balance. So there's the unrestricted funds where you can, you can spend for your operations, then there's restricted funds that are meant for particular purposes. And 
So we have, for example, our, our Public Education Enrichment Fund. It's what makes San Francisco so unique and special. We've committed to supporting um, and using half of those funds to support the uh, arts, music, library, and uh, PE. And we're going to continue doing that. But we have additional funds right now that we can use to support the salary increases. Um, and so I just want to emphasize again, as we're bringing this first interim report forward, we're, made, we're staying focused on our goals and guardrails and working towards improving student outcomes. So the work you've heard us talk about at our board meetings uh, around improving literacy, um, are working towards uh, providing opportunities for acceleration in math, or having students graduate college and career ready by participating in internships. Like those activities uh, are still continuing. We need to make sure we're still investing in uh, achieving our student outcomes. Um, so again, we, we heard tonight, and I'm sure we're going to hear questions tonight about what does this actually mean for our schools? And that's what we will be working on for the next several months, right? And our goal is to make sure we get the, the feedback necessary and we're engaging with our partners per one of uh, our guardrail one, and that when school communities see their budget, that there's not surprises, uh, that they understand what's in it and why. And so this is the timeline to uh, follow up on that. And, um, and then just want to end, I, I, uh, we put together a slide, just what the key takeaways are, right? And with the board taking action, um, we are able to su submit a qualified first interim, um, and we'll show specific reductions we're making this year and next year, or shifts to restricted fund. Um, and then it sets the stage for the budget planning process. I do want to note uh, that when we talked about resource alignment back in August, we said we need to look at everything. But we did lay out a certain sequence. We said we're going to look at uh, central office, uh, staffing and services, school site staffing and, and services, our programs, and our use of our real estate, as well as our school portfolio and seeing if we have the appropriate number of schools. But we committed to following, first looking at the first four areas before moving to the fifth one. So right now what we're presenting does not include school consolidations or closures, uh, and we're working to, on those first four areas to leverage as much of our resources as possible to provide what we need in our schools. But we're still continuing through that resource alignment conversation, our district advisory committee's meeting, and we'll be bringing forward additional information and decisions related to all of that. Um, but right now, what's presented is a first interim, and then later you'll see the AB 1200, so we can follow through on our commitments to our staff uh, and make sure that we have the staff in place needed to meet our student outcomes. So before getting into the details of the first interim report, there's another presentation attached. We wanted to stop and I'll turn it over to President Bogus uh, to lead us in a, a board questions or, or comments. Before we have um, discussion from the board and questions, I was going to ask if um, Elia Dushan would come up and if we could um, elevate um, Pam um, to um, a presenter so that uh, they both would have the opportunity to provide some comment uh, before the board um, engages. And, and if you want to speak, Pam, feel free to for raise your hands and we'll uh, elevate you. Thank you. Um, always a pleasure to be here. I know this is a tough night <clears throat> for all of you. And I want to start out, first of all, by really um, commending your staff 
who just did a Herculean task working with um, Dr. Clark and um, Jenny, um, Jackie, <laughs> and who are, I, this, this, I have to say, I think this is the most accurate work that's gone into a budget since I've been involved with the district. Um, I want to refer you to the, I think it was the second MYP that you showed, or maybe it was the first, it was the first one. And the two most critical lines, of course, are the two lines that um, get larger as time goes on. And I, I want to point out that um, the hard work comes in the line just above the red line, which is the ongoing cuts over, yeah, actually it's the other one. Let's look at the one where you're not having $400 million in deficit, because I sincerely don't think you're going to get there, and I know you don't want to get there, and that's the last thing I want to do, because um, that would be a failure on my part. So as you look at the years, um, you're making $40 million in cuts this year, $109 million the following year, and 135 the following year. That is where the road gets steeper. And that is where, as um, I think you're all aware of PAMS and my role as state fiscal experts, our role is advisory. Um, we don't have any, we can't tell you you can't do something, we can't prohibit you, um, but we can help guide you. And, and I want to say that, again, your staff has been incredibly in su supportive of what the same goals I think as Pam and I share in getting you to a balanced budget. Um, I, I like to keep things simple and it's, it's not easy to look at this, but I think if you look at a good budget in the context of the whole district, I appreciated Dr. Wayne, um, kind of laying out the foundation of quality in the classroom. I, this may be a little hokey kind of, um, of, you know, kind of example, but I have a peach tree at home, and I love that tree because I love peaches. Um, but in the spring, I have to get rid of about 40% of the peaches and cut a whole lot of the branches because if I don't, the ones that are left don't get enough water and the branches fall. It's, um, it's painful because I look at those, but then about two months later, I get incredible peaches. And I think sometimes when you go through a process of looking at programs and kind of tighten your budget, you're also tightening your curriculum. And I think I, I come from a background not only in the fiscal area, but in classroom and curriculum. And good curriculum is based on good fiscal planning and vice versa. So I think as you look at the two um, out years, 24-25 and 25-26, the work begins tomorrow. Um, in fact, I believe your staff is working on it now and looking at staffing models that kind of like my peach tree are going to produce better peaches um, and better kids and better classrooms and better curriculum if they're really focused on student outcomes and really trimming to a level where your district becomes more productive. And I truly believe I wouldn't be in this role if fiscal solvency didn't really promote productivity and outputs in the classroom for the children of your district. I, I want to make it very clear that it is a very steep hill. 103 and 135 million 
one on top of the other on top of 40 million mean that those cuts are going to be painful. Um, it may be getting rid of some of the peaches that you think might be good, but um, maybe aren't helping the others that are left. So as you trim, I'm sure you will trim with the idea in mind that your classroom programs, your schools will be the best they can be. Um, but the other side of the coin, and I have to talk about that, is that it is not a pretty picture. And I commend again you on looking at a qualified self-certification. I think that um, nothing else would have been appropriate, quite frankly. And my job now is to keep you from becoming a negative certification where you cannot and you know you cannot meet your fiscal obligations. Happy to add, I know that was kind of philosophical, but I think the numbers speak for themselves. You don't need me to read numbers back to you, but they're very clear. Thank you so much for that. And so I think what we'll do now is we'll I, transition. I Pam may have some comments oh. too, I don't. Um, I don't see a hand from Pam. Okay. I do see a hand now, so maybe Pam did raise their hand, and we will go to Pam. Yes. Whenever you're ready, Pam, you feel speak. free to start. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. Um, I'd just like to say that, I mean, Elliot touched on a lot of it, and it is something that's very difficult for any district to face when they're looking at, you know, making um, cuts or, or combining programs or, or schools, whatever that might be. And I just would encourage everybody not just the board and your staff, but also the community to be patient as this goes through, because knowing that if you are able to take the time and really make the right decisions on this, it may not seem right to you at the moment because you see it on the list here, but ultimately the goal is to be able, as Elliot said, to provide the best possible services for all of the students in the schools. And so um, knowing that you're approaching it from that aspect, I think that people can feel a little bit reassured that it's not gonna be um, you know, a, something that's gonna be just drastically cut without a real rational thought process being put in place and going through and determining exactly what needs to happen. So I would just encourage everybody to, again, be patient, um, wait until you know those final decisions are, are about ready and then at that point, I'm sure then the board and everyone will share that and their rationale for what needs to happen moving forward so that they can meet their goals and guardrails that have been set you know, within their group and then shared with the rest of the public. That's pretty much it. It's a, it's a tough road and, and I just encourage everybody to um, you know, don't jump to conclusions and just be patient as it's worked through. 
Thank you so much. Okay, and I think with that, we will go to board discussion, comment, and question, and we'll also see if folks want to direct things to particular staff or particular experts from the state. I'll start us off, and then if other commissioners are ready, we'll, we'll go next. Um, I think the, the thing I want to start off with is I think a lot of appreciation to the folks who were able to negotiate these agreements, as well as for the staff um, who've been waiting for these labor agreements for a long time and have been doing a lot of work in anticipation of it uh, at their individual school sites. Um, I, I definitely feel like it is a step towards where we need to go as far as ensuring that we are paying staff in a way that is competitive and allows us to retain the valuable staff, talented staff we have here, as well as the people we've trained and all the expertise that we've developed. I would lift up, I think, my frustrations with where we're at in the process. Um, the timeline that this information, these conversations are happening feels much too slow for me. I would have loved for us to have this level of information, discussion um, before the end of last school year. Um, to really have the opportunity to do the necessary work, to have the conversations and to build the discussions. Um, looking at the slide focused on budget and staff in a three month look ahead, I think that's really helpful to give up idea of what's going to happen in the next three months. It would be helpful to have something like that for the next three years that matches kind of these cascading reductions and adjustments um, that we need to make as a district. From, from my perspective, for a very long time, the district hasn't been sustainable in the way that we operate ourselves, uh, whether it's fiscally or how we reach our student outcomes. Um, and I think for this board, that is not acceptable. And what we're trying to do is move away from a district that isn't able to provide every student what they need. Right, that's the gaps that we hear in our public comment when people send emails to us, when we visit school sites. When we don't visit school sites, people call and tell us what we need to know. We have to be better about being transparent about how we're getting to the solution. We have to figure out how we as an institution can speed up the development of these materials and our plans so that we can engage in the really important work of building the necessary buy-in and trust in our school community. I think the thing that is hard for us to acknowledge is that we as a district have a history of failure. Right, and that's in certain neighborhoods, and that's with certain communities, um, certain families, certain income levels, right, certain ability levels of students, and we need to change that, right, and we need to do that with urgency, and we need to make that our top priority. Um, and so I'm happy with what I see here, but I want to see more, right. I definitely appreciate the the, the path that we have put forward to try to figure out how to minimize harm to sites, students, and families as we go through this while still making the necessary changes. I still would like to see something that allows us to do that sooner, something that gives us more of a cushion in our planning so that if things do take a negative downturn on the state or the city level, that we are actually prepared to deal with that and we won't have to take additional emergency actions um, to balance that out. Um, so to conclude my speech uh, is a lot of appreciation to the work that's been done and to the progress that we've made as a district. So I definitely see the, the expertise that has been brought in, the new blood and life that has been brought in to help us make these reforms. What I still want to see is how we can meet the expectations that I have 
to ensure that we're doing this in a way that is working with community and that we're being as transparent as possible and people aren't surprised. I would really hate for us to get to March, the end of our timeline here, and for people at school sites not to know what's gonna be happening then because it's too late. And I know staff is aware of this and staff is working on this and staff is committed to addressing this and I appreciate that and I appreciate superintendent's leadership. But I think moving forward, we have to figure out how to do a better job of getting ahead of these issues and really showing the solutions that we have evidence-backed research, right, that will get us to where we need to get to with these student outcomes, right? Because with all this, we still don't see a clear plan forward to address the gaps in student outcomes, right, to meet all of our goals in the way that we want to. Um, and, and I'm hoping that as we have more of these conversations, as this comes back through the budgetary process, that we'll see more of that and that'll be a lot more clear and transparent. I don't think I had any questions in that, so we can leave it there, and I will see if we'll go to Commissioner Sanchez and go around. All right, thank you. You covered a lot there. Um, I just really also want to express my appreciation to our staff, uh, Superintendent, and our partnership with Elliot and Pam in these really hard times, so thank you very much. Um, I do want to spend a little more time to President Bogus's point about the timeline. If we can go to that slide 18, maybe superintendent or staff, if you can go a little more in depth on the timeline, especially what uh, President Bogus was saying about the potential of school sites not really understanding what's coming down the line. Um, what the last thing we want is for our school communities to, at the school site council <laughs> summit, to, to you know have it, it dawn on them that major cuts unquote cuts are, are happening. So what are we gonna do to proactively to make sure that doesn't happen? Just if you can just dive into the timeline a little more. Um, <clears throat> sure, and I think, uh, so one, uh, and appreciate the recognition of the hard work of Dr. Clark and Jackie and, and, uh, and, and the whole team, because we are bringing forward a first center that probably, as Elliot said, has you know the most accurate picture of our budget. So we'll use this as well as the governor's gonna come out with their budget proposal. Now that does kick off the budget budgeting season. What we are working on, and this is a shift we've talked about um, in our resource allocation as well, is having a staffing plan that um, you know, provides some clear baseline allocations to schools, what we're calling foundation allocations, as well, <coughs> excuse me, as well as it makes it clear how we're supporting our programs as well as our focal students. And we're working on a, a framework for that, but really this time from January to February is when to engage with the educational partners to get feedback on what that looks like uh, before it's finalized, right? Because we have that system view, but our schools understand their needs and they'll be able to let us know that, you know, we're, you know, uh, you know investing in this area makes less sense than investing in, in that area. So. Those are conversations that looks like at, at our meetings with uh, principals. We've already asked school site councils to give us feedback and then sharing back with uh, school site councils what we're planning as well as community conversations around, uh, around that. And then we wanna do the, the finalizing of the, the plan in February. So as we said, when people come to the school site summit, that's traditionally when school sites get to look at their, their budgets and staff so they can do their planning moving forward and without surprises. Because there's things that we provide centrally that will come in the district's staffing plan and site plan. And the schools do have 
resources that they get to decide how to use, such as Title I or schools that have our Community Schools Grant, or we have the city's Student Success Fund that's opening applications. So that's when, when they get to make that decision. So hopefully that provides a little more detail of what it looks like. And specifically, what, again, everybody wants to see just the, 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 you know, the, the details you know, come in the next uh, couple months. We're gonna go to Vice President Weisenwar next. Thank you, um, and maybe I'll, I'll follow up and, and maybe ask, a, push a little bit more, um, Dr. Wayne, in terms of some, I think, information that'd be really useful. I also wanna start with gratitude. Um, I think, you know, to hear, you know, Elliot, you share that, you know, that there's real confidence in these numbers means a lot, not that I doubted. Um, the two of you, I mean, having you all on board and knowing that you are such subject matter experts in your respective areas means a lot, and we needed it, so thank you so much. I can't begin to imagine the number of hours you all have been working over the last few months and, and really, really appreciate it. Um, do the numbers feel good? No, but do we need them to, to be accurate? Yes, and so thank you. Um, and, and thank you, Dr. Wayne, for, for bringing these folks on to the team and in these leadership positions. I think it, it, it matters a whole lot. Um, I guess building off of Commissioner Sanchez's questions, I think that... Um, I appreciate the, the action timeline. And something, there's a couple of things that I think would be really useful to me as a commissioner, I think to us as board members, but also to, to the community, because we did hear a lot about a need for transparency. And so um, if I were to look at, it's exhibit A in the, um, in the materials where there's a, it's categories including balancing um, plan category, and there's a set of reductions, for example, or maybe it's the, um, yes. Um, so I think what would be really, what I think would be useful in terms of transparency, so for each reduction item, I want to, I would like to know what is the relationship to furthering the goals that we've identified, our student outcome goals. Um, I also want, would want for each reduction confirmation that what we're doing and how we're going about it is com in compliance with our guardrails and respecting our guardrails. And then lastly, what is the impact on school sites? And I know that, that there is an idea that we're gonna get there, but I think having those, those three specific sort of additional data points or information is gonna be really, really useful in terms of transparency. Because while I appreciate having a sense of when we might know things, I think that it's useful to know what is it exactly that we're gonna know and how does it map onto what our students and what our educators and staff are living and experiencing and, and hopefully learning each day. So I think um, that would be um, my ask from, from leadership moving forward. Um, I'll save, I know that we have uh, G2 and G3 um, about our, our labor partners. I'll just say um, that you know, I um, at no point will I pit our labor partners against community. That is not what we're here to do. I think I can speak on behalf of the board. We went into labor agreements eyes wide open that we are gonna have to make additional changes, but it wasn't on the back of one or another. It's that we need to support the system, and we need to support our students, and we need to support our educators and staff. So that's what I have. Commissioner Fisher. Thank you. I will pile on the accolades to staff. Um, 
you know, I, hearing from Mr. Duchamp that this is the most accurate report in SFUSD history um, is, uh, is um, heartwarming and terrifying at the same time. Um, so thank you very much, Dr. Clark and your staff, and thanks to our labor partners and our negotiators as well. Um, and uh, it's, I appreciate the, the increased transparency. We've seen some community meetings this week um, and, um, and, and a lot more, I think, communication with staff. And, and so our job as a board of education in this um, uh, Council of Great City Schools student outcomes focused governance, um, using that framework, our role as commissioners is to reflect back the values of the community. Um, and as many of my fellow commissioners have pointed out here tonight, um, one of the things that I heard loud and clear, not just tonight, but in all the spaces where I sit, is that our community wants transparency. They want us to increase transparency. They want to work on trust building, and that's going to require details in a solid plan. Um, I heard they want resource alignment to goals. Uh, I heard that uh, they sincerely want us to fill vacancies at schools. Um, they recognize the impact of the Empower debacle um, to the tune of tens of millions of dollars. Um, and there's a huge concern that special education is already critically understaffed. And uh, we heard a lot about not meeting our legal mandates. Um, that was just tonight in public comment, and I think that reflects a lot of what we've been hearing in many, many, many of our community sessions. So I really wanted to highlight that tonight. Um, also, uh, when we talk about declining enrollment, I would be remiss as a special education advocate if I didn't point out that our students receiving special education services are students with disabilities. Uh, when we talk about students fleeing our system, they very often have nowhere else to go. We have the special day classes. We have the higher level of services. We have, um, we're trying to have occupational therapists and speech language pathologists. We have the services here that the private parochial and charter schools very often do not. Um, and so as we see declining enrollment, we see the percentage of students receiving special education services increase. And we know um, our le legislative analyst office has done a report saying that it costs about three times as much to educate a student with a disability as a student without. Um, so this has huge impacts on our system and is even more, is more critical to make sure that we are appropriately staffed. Um, which brings me back to the student outcomes focused governance section. Um, I, um, I heard a, a lot of really promising things. We talked about aligning staff to enrollment, but to bring us into alignment with our student outcomes focused governance instead of aligning staff to enrollment, I think we need to, not I think, but if we're going to follow the structure with fidelity, we need to shift our resource allocation to aligning to meet our goals. Um, and Mr. Dushan, I heard you talk about focusing on the classroom, right? And so, um, you know, our biggest input is people. We can't forget that our biggest input is people. So when we think about the upcoming plans that we'll see, I think my biggest question is, how are we aligning our resources to make sure that we're focusing on math, reading, college and career readiness, and what we know if we want to implement new curriculum, as you said, Mr. Dushan, 
It's not just a matter of a good curriculum. It's professional development, ongoing coaching, all of these things that come with it, right? So this is where I hope that when we are looking at um, staff, staffing to alignment and staffing allocations and baseline resources at schools, this is where I hope we are focusing our conversation and I look forward to seeing more of that as we move forward. So thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Fisher. Commissioner Alexander. Um, thank you, and I agree with, I want to echo the comments of my colleagues um, and say I believe that what we're doing tonight is really starting the process of reinventing SFUSD in order to create the schools that our students deserve. And we are clearly nowhere near where we need to be in our public commenters, I think, made some really accurate critiques. Um, but I also think this is a big moment to acknowledge because we've there's been a lot of talk, even amongst us as board members, and this is an action step. We are investing a massive amount of resources into raises for educators, probably the largest raise ever, maybe, in SFUSD, certainly in the three decades I've been associated with SFUSD. Um, we're increasing our paraeducators' starting pay from uh, equivalent to a Safeway entry-level entry worker to $30 an hour. Uh, we're getting double-digit raises for our teachers. These things really are going to matter in terms of investments in our system and meeting those goals around literacy and math and college and career because we can never meet those goals if we keep churning through educators, if we have all these vacancies in our schools. So I just think that um, this is an important moment and we are, we, we've made a decision as, as Vice President Weissman Ward said, we did this with eyes wide open. We knew it was going to be tough, and we made that decision for a reason. Um, and I think the other thing we're doing, and this has been referred, this has been mentioned by several folks, but I think we're starting to crack open some of what Dr. Clark called the anomalies, but I will go further and call, frankly, fiscal mismanagement um, that's been happening in the district for, for a long, long time. Uh, I mean, I couldn't believe it that we found, you know, part of the way we're paying for this is $9 million in materials and supplies money that's been sitting there rolling over year after year. Well, educators out there, you all have been paying for supplies out of your own pockets, right? But yet this money was sitting there. Um, and some of these things even our fiscal experts missed, and they, they've been kind of there for a while, and it's just the way things have been happening. And so I just want to really appreciate um, you know, the way that, that our staff have done this, but also I want to appreciate UESF, um, our educators, thousands of educators insisted not just on raises, but on actually the fiscal accountability and discipline and dealing with some of these things. And they said, we want to know where every penny is at so we can demand not an excessive raise, but a raise that SFUSD can actually afford. And so I just think that's also another credit that's due here. Um, and I think as we think about this transformation of the, I'm, I'm thinking of it as like the old SFUSD to the new SFUSD, there's certainly all these pieces, and I think this is where at least my discomfort comes from. There's a lot of the old SFUSD that's still around, and we don't have a plan yet for changing it, right? We've got classrooms with 10 or 12 kids in it, and we can't keep that. That's not going to, that's not sustainable. We can't afford that, as Mr. Duchon has pointed out many times. So it's like, how, so how are we going to make that shift? But we also have, I'll use another example, which may not be popular, but we also have a curriculum and instruction department that doesn't respond to the needs of schools and isn't in touch with what's happening on the ground all the time. And so we need to change that as well. So there's all these things. I mean, there's many, many more examples. But that, that if we're going to actually achieve our goals, we have to be able to make those changes. And 
you know, in the old SFUSD, what would have happened was a few people in central office would have decided what was going to happen. They would have said, okay, those classrooms are going to close, and that school is going to be merged, and there would be no consultation with students or families or anybody, and then it would happen all at the last minute, which created this lack of trust, right? And then miraculously over the summer, somehow all the cuts to the curriculum department would have been magically restored, and nobody would have known exactly why or how. Like, that literally is the old SFUSD, and I think we need to acknowledge that that's what's led the, to the public comment we've heard. And so we now, it's our responsibility as leaders to be able to shift that, right? Um, oh, by the way, and the impact on those cuts all would have been on schools mostly serving black kids and, and low-income students, students with IEPs, like it would have been the, right? So that, again, those are the, his, that's the history, the real history of our district. So, um, so I guess I'm just excited for this moment, um, and I think, like my colleagues have said, we really need to stay focused on doing this in a way that's aligned to our goals and aligned to our guardrails, right? And I want to mention, for those of you listening, and I think this is relevant to a lot of those comments, our first guardrail says that before any major decisions are made, there has to be, quote, meaningful consultation with the people that are going to be impacted by those decisions. So that includes parents and guardians. Um, uh, staff and students themselves, and we wrote that in the guardrail. So if you're experiencing this and you feel like decisions are being made and you're not being meaningfully consulted, um, please speak up. Speak up at your school site, talk to your school leadership. If they don't, if you feel like they're not listening, go over their heads, go up the chain of command, right? Up all the way, including to the board if necessary. Don't start with us, please. Don't start with the board. But, but I mean, that's, I just think it's really, really important. And it doesn't mean we're all going to agree and it doesn't mean everyone's going to get their way. But everyone needs to be involved in this conversation. And again, the criteria we need to use is our goals and our guardrails, right? It's not random, everyone gets to have their opinion. But it's like everyone does get to have an opinion about how are we best going to achieve co that college and career goal that's really ambitious and the eighth grade math goal and the third grade literacy goal. We need to hear from everybody about that and then we need to come to consensus around research-based plans, right, that are, that are, that are going to get us to those goals. And I think that's what I'm looking forward um, to seeing, right? And it's the, our staff's job to kind of compile all that, be experts in the, in the evidence-based best practices and then come out with a plan and then get feedback from us, from parents, from educators, from students themselves. And our job is to be skeptical, to ask hard questions, um, and then for us to build a, and agree on a plan and move forward. And I think um, the next six months are going to be a real test for the superintendent and his team and for us as leaders because those are going to be tough decisions. But we, I feel like this board has laid out um, some expectations on how to do those that are really clear. And to the extent that it's not clear, um, you know, again, I think members of the public should keep asking, but I think and we need to keep getting clearer on that. Um, because this is the moment. This is the moment we're going to create the new SFUSD, um, and so and we're going to create those fully staffed schools that our students um, truly deserve. So let's do it. Thank you, Commissioner. We'll go to Commissioner Lamb. Thank you. Thank you to Dr. Clark, Jackie, and the team. I know it's been a tremendous lift in the amount of time. Um, I also want to just express, you know, the district has been through a lot um, in recent years, and I want to also just name how important it is tonight that we land in a, um, on our approval, on our uh, labor agreements, and working with our labor partners. And I want to voice my colleagues' um, appreciation that we absolutely could not do this work in fidelity without 
our educators and our staff, and I will be fully supporting the TAs. I do also want to raise some serious concerns I have um, with the multi-year projections that have been put forward. I do see them as tactical and getting to an ends to a mean, but I have been very clear and to my colleagues and to our conversations we've had with the superintendent, just truly how this initial first interim budget, which is a, um, it's putting some, an initial plan forward and really how are we going to deliver on better student outcomes and educa better educational experience um, for our students across every school, no matter what neighborhood, zip code, that a school is in and our children and students are experiencing every day. I actually think that this first interim doesn't go deep enough because it really provides little to no margin of error. We are getting some early analysis out of the state legislative um, analyst um, office and that, um, that the California budget is gonna need to face significant cuts in the next few years. And so how does that land on our plans and to Dr. Clark's point that it will have to be fluid? So in many ways, what we're seeing tonight is most likely the very best case scenario, if not having to even go deeper. And while I, you know, I've been pretty vocal since my, I started day one on this board, I am ready to make tough decisions, but those decisions have to be strategic. They have to be backed up by data, analysis, and how they are truly going to be better educational experience for our students. And that is my worry. And as we even look out one year further to 25, 26, we don't really have detailed de plan beyond placeholders. And I, I want to acknowledge that every school district certainly are, is embarking on this in the state of California. But I do like to say in San Francisco that I absolutely believe with every cell of my body, with my heart in this district. I raised my children here. My children have gone to schools in San Francisco since they were five years old in kindergarten, and they will graduate as SFUSD alumni. So they are good enough for my children, SF schools are, and this is why we care so deeply, I care so deeply. Um, but I am really concerned that what is being proposed right now, um, while is important around the vacant positions we've been talking about for years, and I wanted to um, express my appreciation to the superintendent and the team to actually start um, improving our fiscal and budget practices and that we must continue to invest in the system. We need to invest in our fiscal human resources administrative operations team because what we've seen for years now is an underinvestment and so why we have made decisions, costly decisions which has eroded the public trust, eroded strong stewarding of public dollars, and that we must be able to have a much clearer vision and delivery on those promise of the SFUSD values, 
but those outcomes that we have our students. And our coach reminds me often that it's not just about budgets and fiscal numbers, because otherwise why have goals? Why go through the process that we did bringing together over 8,000 pieces of community evidence to land on the, on the goals and guardrails that we do have. Um, so I, tonight, want to express that my 100% support for our tentative agreements or uh, to ratifying our labor agreements, but I do not feel that um, at this time, I think we need to really plan even further um, for the fiscal challenges ahead and how we're going to deliver for our students. Thank you, Commissioner Lamb. Commissioner Watani. Um Commissioner Lamb, uh, my, my sentiment is very similar to yours and um, my appreciation for staff and the work and having um, folks that are really bringing forward the numbers that we've needed to see for a very, very long time. I know there's a lot of work before us and that the situation that we're in was not made overnight this year, last year, or even the year before, and it won't be undone. Um, I do similarly see headwinds um, for the district and external to the district that will affect our ability to operate. Um, and I really, really don't want negative certification in three months. And so I was hoping for a budget that would go further, um, be more transparent, pro provide the answers to so many questions I've heard for from families for so long, and I understand it's not a strategic plan, but it is a reflection of values and priorities. Um, and I do want to acknowledge that we have greatly improved leadership and competency, and I want this district to be successful. I want our students to be successful, our educators to be successful. I too will be fully supporting the labor agreements. Um, I also want to acknowledge that the board overhauled its governance practices and has been holding to those practices. And one of the things that I've most loved is having access to our agenda items and, and documents 12 days in advance. And part of why you're seeing me in this position is that this came forward at a, a late date and I haven't had many of the questions that I have um, underpinning these numbers that have come forward. Um, I don't, I feel confident in this year, probably next year, but I have a lot of concerns about 2025, 26, and a, and a lot of questions about what our core services are and how our expenditures will be demonstrably aligned with student outcomes. Frankly, I'm also not clear on the legal implications of reallocation of some of our restricted funds and the impacts to required services. Um, so I ask that going forward our budgets be available at least 10 days in advance for review and I really ask for there to be more visibility of our educational services, our um, student services in the work that comes forward. Our goals of course literacy, math, career and college readiness but frankly you know it's been over a year since the board adopted its goals and guardrails and things like resource allocation and curriculum and instruction really haven't been monitored adequately um, by the board. And those are areas that I will be watching 
most closely as we move forward. So um, I'm most concerned, I just want to reiterate about that 155 million in 2025, 2026, and understanding not, and not being in a position where I understand what is being uh, contemplated for those. So again, I support the labor agreements and I really, really want to convey the appreciation that I have for staff and that this is in no way um, is me being out of alignment with the work that has brought forward, but simply wanting more and to have greater margin for error, um, both within our own assumptions, but also with what may be happening around us. Um, so I do appreciate, what, appreciate the work that has gone forward. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, and with that, I will ask for a motion on this item. So moved. And a second? Second. All right. Um, and so I'm going to read item G1, and then I think we will call for a roll call vote on the item. Um, so item G1, fiscal year 2023-24, first interim report qualified financial fiscal certification for the San Francisco Unified School District and a positive certification for the County Office of Education. Roll call vote, please. Yeah, just take your time, no worries. I think your mic's off. Commissioner Alexander? Yes. Commissioner Fisher? Yes. Commissioner Lamb? No. Commissioner Matamidi? No. Commissioner Sanchez? Yes. Vice President Weissman Ward? Yes. President Bogus? Yes. Five eyes, it passes. Thank you. And with that, we'll go to, go, Superintendent, you wanted to? No, just uh, I want to appreciate the appreciations. And um, yeah, and it, it has been a lot of work to get us to this point. Um, Dr. Clark and Jackie, also Amy Bear from Human Resources, and Anne-Marie Gordon, you know, worked uh, and, uh, hard on this. And also here, the, the direction and expectations for our second interim. Right? We bring a second interim in March and uh, definitely heard the desire to see beyond three months. We'll be at that point then. And then also hear uh, the need to see the specifics, both strategically, what are we doing to meet our goals and guardrails, but then also the impact it's going to have on our schools and making sure that we're going through a process that uh, honors our, our guardrail one. So it is a, a tall order, but we're ready for the challenge and appreciate the support in being able to move forward. Thank you, Superintendent, for that. So now I would like to call item uh, G2, which is the tentative agreement between Service Employees International Union regarding the re-opener successor agreement and the AB 1200 disclosures. Can I have a motion and a second for that item? So moved. Second. Okay, and if we could have a roll call vote on that item. 
On G2? Yes. Commissioner Alexander? Yes. Commissioner Fisher? Yes. Commissioner Lamb? Yes. Commissioner Matamidi? Yes. Commissioner Sanchez? Yes. Vice President Wiseman Ward? Yes. President Bogus? Yes. Seven eyes. Thank you, Thank Superintendent. You. And I, I just can't, I do want to um, just make a few acknowledgments. One, again, want to thank the team uh, that worked tirelessly um, to uh, reach this agreement. Rosa Coronado, uh, Dr. Rosa Coronado uh, on the district side was um, the lead. But do really want to appreciate SEIU. We know the negotiations went long and were sometimes challenging, but what I really uh, new throughout is that we have our different responsibilities, but we understand our core responsibilities to the students of this district. And I always felt that from uh, SEIU, and I hope SEIU understands that's where we're coming from. And I do want to thank the, the Board of Education for your guidance and say, we need to invest in this area, and we're going to support that. Even if we still have questions, we're going to support the, this because we know this is the right thing to do for our students and for our staff. So um, thank you for, for the support of this, and really uh, appreciate uh, the team effort to bring this forward. Thank you, Superintendent. And with that, we will move to item G3, which is the tentative agreement between San Francisco Unified School District and the United Educators of San Francisco regarding reopener, successor agreement, and the required AB 1200 disclosures. If I could have a motion and a second so for moved. this item. Beat me to it. Second. Okay. And if we could have a roll call vote, please. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Alexander? Yes. Commissioner Fisher? Yes. Commissioner Lamb? Yes. Commissioner Matomini? Yes. Commissioner Sanchez? Yes. Vice President Wiseman Ward? Yes. President Bogus? Yes. Seven eyes. Yes, and uh, again, it is worth celebrating um, uh, the team. You know, again, Dr. Coronado was there many late nights working with Assistant Superintendent Ana Darce, uh, Jean Robertson representing special education. Um, Ra uh, Raul was there representing early education. Uh, and uh, um, if I'm forgetting anybody, it was, it was uh, what's that? Amy. Oh, and Amy Bear there. Uh, uh, and Davina Goldwasser re representing secondary schools. And it's worth mentioning because we, they, they work, when we say tirelessly, we mean tirelessly because as did the UESF side, because it was 6.30 in the morning where President Curiel was here with the team and our team finalizing the agreement. And that, again, shows the dedication uh, that all sides have to do what's right for our students. Um, and again, feel confident that this is an investment we need to make uh, to, move, to, to move forward. And thank you again to the Board of Education for making sure that this is a priority uh, as we develop our, uh, further uh, develop our strategic plan and figure out our budget. Thank you for those remarks, Superintendent. Uh, and with that, we will move to item H, which is our consent calendar. Um, are there any items withdrawn or corrected by the superintendent at this time, Superintendent Wayne? No. Okay. Can I have a motion and a second for the consent calendar? So moved. I'll second that. All right. If we could have a roll call vote, please. Commissioner Alexander? Yes. Commissioner Fisher? Yes. Commissioner Lamb? Yes. Commissioner Matamidi? Yes. Commissioner Sanchez? 
Yes. Vice President Wiseman Ward? Yes. President Bogus? Yes. Seven eyes. All right. Thank you. Uh, and with that, we will go to item I, board member reports and appointments. Commissioner Alexander. Uh, I have a report as the former chair now of the Ad Hoc Committee on <laughs> Ethics and Conflict of Interest that the committee has completed its work um, and um, we submitted to President Bogus a recommended statement on ethics and conflicts of interest that we developed and our hope is that it could be brought to the full board for a vote at the January regular meeting and that we might, if colleagues are okay with that, um, sign it uh, actually at that meeting. Um, so that was, that's our uh, committee recommendation to the board. Thank you so much for your work and the committee's diligent work. Seeing no other reports, I'm sorry, seeing Commissioner Fisher. Um, we were very lucky to have the um, annual California State, um, California School Board Association, sorry, um, uh, annual meeting here in San Francisco last week. Um, and so thank you to colleagues for, you know, we actually were very honored to have our two student delegates sit on a panel and I can tell you they rocked it, you know, as they always do, talking about equity and answering all the great questions, um, you know, about student engagement and what they'd like to see from, um, uh, what they'd like to, to see uh, for the next steps of engagement. So more to come on that. Um, and of course, there were a couple days of presentations as well. Um, for me, one of especially considering where we are, um, one of the big takeaways in, in attending, um, you know, like a budget 200 level, uh, as much as you can do in an hour, um, uh, the CASBO, there's a report called The Bottom Line. If anyone is interested in the details of how California schools are funded, um, it is an 18-page report. It's a lot of infographics, so it's not really um, as, as painful as 18 pages may seem to some people, um, but it does a really good job of outlining um, you know, the school funding in California, where the, where the funding comes from, um, the challenges of schools, the pressures. Um, so if you're looking for that bigger picture related to tonight, um, that is a great place to start. It's um, CASBO. Um, I, for the California Association of School Board Operations people, I think, or something like that. Uh, but the bottom line is the name of the report, The Definitive Guide on California School Business and Finance for 23-24. It's very enlightening for me and um, I think can inform a lot of the work we do. So, And a lot of other stuff, too. Cool swag from the, the trade show. If anyone wants any squishies, we've got them. Thank you so much, Commissioner, for your report. And with that, we will close item I and go to item J. Item J1, initial proposal from United Administrators of San Francisco. Uh, in board docs, you will see attached to the agenda the initial proposal from the U United Administrators of San Francisco. Superintendent, do you want to comment? No, this is just an information item, and it becomes a, it will be a public hearing at our next regularly scheduled meeting. Thank you for that information. And with that, we will adjourn this meeting at 8.53 p.m.
SFGovTV. San Francisco Government Television.